0: Welcome to Mental Millennials with your host, Shelby Friesen.
1: So today I've got Zach Coop on the show and we, well, we actually went to high school together and I kind of always forget that actually when we, well, I did this like two weeks ago actually at Jamie's birthday gathering. Someone asked me how I knew you and I said that I met you at the retreat in Pemberton and um, then every time you're like, oh, well, no, we went to high school together. I'm like, fuck. I literally forget every time, Um, but I feel like it's been so long since then, like we weren't really friends in high school, and then all these years had gone by, and then we kind of reconnected in a totally different realm, so um, yeah, if you want to maybe introduce yourself a little bit, and then we can kind of go from there.
2: So, my name is Zachary Coop. What I do is I'm a breath worker, so I use the nervous system and different patterns of breathing and movement, yoga, qigong, to help to regulate and rewire the nervous system. That's like the title of what I do. Who I am is, yeah, that's a little bit more of like, <laughs> let's maybe go into the, the history and what we're going to dive into and see what we can explore there.
1: Yeah, so let's kind of start, maybe let's start off just after high school. Do you want to start from there, kind of like where you went hmm. or do you want to go earlier back?
2: Definitely later after that. Okay. This is some vague years where I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Didn't really do much. Okay. Um, I did go to university for just under six years. Mm-hmm. And I bounced around from like dental school to psychology to neuroscience. And it was just like an exploration into anything I'm curious about. And that pattern continued. It's kind of interesting. I developed a an addiction to studying where I would literally study ten to twelve hours a day. And it got in to such a degree that I started doing a little bit of dextrogen and we're diving <laughs> in right away. Oh, that's it's basically Ritalin, right? I think my friend has
1: it. We it's like he he'll take it and stay up for like literally two days.
2: Yeah. Okay. It's basically a pharmaceutical version of methamphetamine. Yeah. So when taken in small amounts introduced with studying you get such a dopamine rush from the things that you're curious about so at the time I was like 22 and that was just the most amazing thing I figured you know I could just hop on the internet or go to the library and I would study for 10 hours and I could learn quantum physics and I could learn all the sciences I did like a conceptual learning of everything from geology to history so
1: so a lot of it Was it even classes that you were taking or you would just take this and Mm. just
2: blast into the library and like just
1: read all this stuff you wanted to learn?
2: So school was quite easy when you're studying that many hours a day. So I was (laughs) a nice Dean's List scholar and I would finish all my work. And then in school, like as I'm watching the teacher, I'd be on my laptop learning other things (laughs)
1: because
2: I (laughs) learned what I was studying. So
1: you were way ahead of the the class.
2: Yeah, I kind of finished my work and then I was like, okay, what more can I do? Mm -hmm. And then that pattern continued for several years after and what it really narrowed down to is I love the nervous system neuroscience and particularly the things that I love to do which was meditation and at the time I was doing a lot of psychedelics and I really loved to learn how that orchestrated itself in the brain what I was doing to my brain in meditation and during psychedelics was the most fascinating thing because all the research that come out now it's become quite widespread everyone knows that it's whole brain activity and we're seeing such radical growth in neural circuits so when i learned that and i started applying it and just doing my own experimentation it led me to go to the jungle go to peru go to costa rica go to ayahuasca go to joining all these kind of shamanic circles working with different plant medicines and then really trying to grasp it with a kind of scientific understanding at times so So how
1: long were you in school for, like, doing the studying? Just under six years. Oh, yeah. That's quite a long time. You learned a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then so you wanted to put from the meditation stuff, you wanted to know, like, what was actually going on in, in your brain.
2: Yeah, that's, that's what really guided me because mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of the practices and I was like, I want to continue doing practices that I know have research behind them. Okay. So I would read all the research on meditation. I was like, this is something I need to be doing all the time <laughs> yeah. because it, it's pretty conclusive. <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure. Um, so then after all your, like, I guess what led you to quit studying? You thought you mm-hmm. learned enough or something sparked and you...
2: I still study quite a bit. Um, But the type of learning that I do now is because I'm out in the world doing my work I get to do a lot of service trades. So I'll work with Chinese medicine. I'll work with a myofascial I'll work with an energy worker and all my trades are in person So it came from just reading about things and having that conceptual intellectual knowledge to going out in the world and doing those things and that was the transition is by the time I had researched all these things, I knew what was good for me, what to eat and as far as what I was doing. So then I was like, okay, and I just do all those things and I get to stop studying about them. Yeah. So that was like a healthy transition for me.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So now, yeah, it's more of like an in-person hands-on thing now. Right. right. No, that's cool. Um, but, and so for, I guess more so like university, what, when would you, like, when did you decide to leave university and what did you do after
0: that?
2: So I did multiple things and I didn't finish them. (laughs) The one thing that I was going to do was become a dentist. Okay. And I didn't want to go the full route with commitment issues. (laughs) So I became a dental hygienist. And that was one of the degrees I did. And when I graduated, that was one of the things I did full time for a bit. Okay. So while I was doing like my 10 hours of studying, I was also doing that. And that's when I branched off. And that took a few years and I did coaching after that.
1: Okay. And what were you coaching for like doing life coaching?
2: Life coaching, okay. holistic coaching.
1: Nice. Um yeah, cuz I knew you were did the the hygienist thing. How much longer was the to be a dentist? Like at least a couple of years?
2: Pretty well, you have to go through the whole degree over again, so it'd be about 7 years. It's not like you do dental hygiene and you get to upgrade it. Oh. That was more <laughs> like I'm just going to try the dental field and see if I want to go the full way.
1: Oh, she so would have had to re- Okay, that's a lot. Yeah.
2: Everything over. Yeah.
1: Okay, I can see why you maybe decided against that.
2: Plus, I just don't want to be in the dental world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, just not the environment for me. That's true, that's true. The more, yeah. When I went back in, so many people have asked me, and it's like, dental hygiene is such an odd piece for you, knowing you, everything about you. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, where did that piece come in? I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I can't, every time I come back to it, a new answer comes as of life. But I was just like, One of the things that stuck out to me at the time, I didn't have like a lot of confidence in myself in what I could do. So the dentist thing was probably a little bit overlearing. No one in my family was in university. Everyone's in the trades. This was like completely me taking my own thing. And it was as creative and as confident as I could be was dental hygiene, apparently. (laughs) And at the time, I was quite, you know, after high school, I was in the greatest place in the world uh, with who I hung out my social circle. And one of the things I listened to a lot was Eminem at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's got a song called Shake That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a dentist, a menace, I don't a oh. hygienist. Over your mouth well, for five minutes. Take a... <laughs> And, and that, that song stuck out to me as one of the things that like, oh, I could be a dental hygienist. <laughs> that's where it came from. <laughs> that was like a dominant thing in my head of like dental hygienist. Okay. That's how uncreative it was. <laughs> Holy. That's... It was just like, make a choice, okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, at least you made a choice and went and went with something, I guess. Hey, eh? um, <laughs> that's that's one way to choose it. <laughs> I can't say I've ever heard that before. Mm, no, oh, that's no, that's o- had the same. That's one. awesome. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> so now, well, what would have been the first kind of trip or like really, I don't know, maybe life changing thing that happened after the the hygienist world well how long did you do how long were you full-time as a hygienist
2: Mm, I didn't work full-time but just over four and a half years
1: that's quite a while
2: yeah. yeah
1: so you did university for six then that for four and then you broke fully into the holistic realm yeah okay and how did you make that jump or what were some big factors or some of your trips?
2: Um, It was like, there's a piece of it, which was like slowly moving into it, which was like the holistic coaching and the yoga and I did some personal training and the little pieces that kept coming together. And like, how can I form this into a creative expression of everything that I want to do and be. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what are all the things I love? And I charted them out and I was like, well, I want to write I want to move, I want to do yoga, I want to study plant medicines, and I want to study meditation, and I charged absolutely everything, and then eventually that just became a career, and along the way there were many pieces, and one was meeting uh, someone we both know, which is Edward Dangerfield, mm-hmm. and he's a, a breath worker among many other things, and he personally mentored me in many of the, the things that I'm doing now, So, big props to him. Yeah. Uh, He's definitely laid, laid his mark in many people's lives in a really beautiful way. So, what's your experience with him? How did you meet Ed?
1: I met Ed through, or Lucas Mattiello did the men's retreat, and he told my brother about it. And then Jamie mentioned it to me. So, I signed up. Because Dylan and I came the first time. Or no, actually, I didn't sign up for the men's retreat. I went and did a one-on-one with Ed in Whistler. And I didn't... I remember his website at the time when I went to it, and I was like, man, I don't even know what this shit means, but whatever. Like, if they say it's good, I'll give it a shot. And um, yeah, I ended up going. I did one, and then right away I booked, like, the 10-session package. And yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I don't even really know how to explain the whole breath work thing. Um, I mean, my explanation is usually you lay on the table and they, um, basically, you inhale and exhale with no, um, what do you call it, with no pause, like um, connected. And then it changes your, it can change your brain state and blood chemistry and all these other things. But uh, for me, the big thing for it, I mean, in a very simple way is It was really calming and allowed, like, when I would leave. um, I used it mainly for anxiety. Um, So when I would leave, yeah, like, I would just feel, like, calmer than I'd ever felt before. Like, it would be, like, a full release of anything I was holding on to or whatever that might have been. So, um, yeah, I think I went weekly to Ed for quite a while, like, a couple months. um, And then started doing some of the retreats and met a lot of cool people that way. And, well, one being you. And then again (laughs) and uh yeah so yeah I saw Ed quite a bit it was he was really good
2: Uh were you driving up to see him yeah I was
1: driving weekly to Whistler to see him yeah which is I mean yeah far but (laughs) it was worth it and um at that time I didn't know anybody else doing it like that was the only person I knew so um and even now I don't I think you're the only person I know in the city who comes down and does it here Um, so then that was all I knew.
2: Yeah. There's not many people doing it, at least in like a clinical practice. No, no. And really treating it like that. And I find it really hits people. Like I'll have a lot of people come in, they'll try it once or twice and they'll have, maybe they'll move a big emotion or they'll come to some kind of balance or realization and that'll just be their piece. Mm -hmm. And, and I really respect it in that way because it kind of meets people with what they're looking for and where they're at. And then for you, it was like, okay, I'm ready to go out and buy 10 packages and drive up to Whistler all the time. <laughs> yeah, And it meets people like, how far do you want to take it with this? And like, how deep do you want to go? Because it's a medicine where we kind of use our own breath to master our body, changing our hormone and gland function. And it's, uh, it's something as we continually practice, we go deeper into. And one of the things that I love is like, we drop into a very deep parasympathetic or relaxed state when we learn how to breathe properly with the exhale. And for most people, it's like, it takes them like two, three weeks of vacation to get to that point where they're that relaxed. Mm-hmm. Well, when we learn to do that with our breath, we can get there in like three minutes. And it's like, I've been on a week worth of vacation. <laughs> I've just been breathing for like an hour now.
1: Yeah. I feel like I noticed the breathing, um, a lot with it actually. Like, well, because I was going weekly, it felt like I was kind of, I didn't practice. Like I didn't do it on my own ever. I only did it with, with Ed. Um, but I would notice like if I didn't go for a couple of weeks or like a month after I would notice my breathing like gets way off, um, and all that stuff. So it, it's wild how much, and I think it's cool because it is too like that kind of like meditation or other things where you can continually practice it on your own. You don't have to go, um, like you don't have to go weekly if you don't want, but you can keep doing it on your own and practicing and make it a practice, which is nice.
2: And the time it takes for us to enter into that meditative or open state in the breath and body becomes less and less. Mm-hmm. And that's the really beautiful part about yoga and all these practices is like, it's not just about the practice. It's about our capacity to do the practice and then live it mm-hmm. and to carry that out into the world. So yeah, it, it took me a bit of, I did some really intense trainings mm-hmm. and we, we can discuss a few of those. I w- I'm a big fan of fasting and going off in the forest for, Three days, 10 days, no eating and just practicing for like 10 hours a day, whether that's breath work, yoga, Qigong, dance, just these more inner energetic movement practices. And like one weekend, I did like eight hours of breath work and it was just like, I breathe for a whole ship. <laughs> 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 I'm clocking in the hours. That's here. a lot.
1: Um, do you go out and do that by yourself or is there other people there? Just me. And you just pick a spot and go.
2: Pick a spot and go
1: do you bring like a tent usually okay so you like yeah. <laughs> or you've gone tentless before
2: i had the tent there but it was summer so i slept out in the sleeping bag
1: oh yeah okay that's that's yeah
2: yeah. but it's like i've done so many of them and i kind of planned them It's like do i want to be more rugged this time or do I want to be like in a safer place where i can go deeper into the practices because there's that like balance mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the very first time i did it it grew out of me studying indigenous cultures and realizing that we don't have a clear initiation between when we are a boy and becoming a man Mm -hmm. and i never really had that in my life and when i was really getting clear on what i wanted to do in life what's my purpose i wanted to create my own initiation i don't recommend that everyone go do this (laughs) (laughs) but i yeah i did 10 days in the forest of fasting and and that was one of the biggest experiences in my whole life and that's like within weeks I met my teacher Edward and everything just like went full stream. And then it was like, the alignment of that Mm -hmm. is like, yeah, it was huge for me.
1: Wow. That's crazy. So the 10 days, that was just you, that was your initiation. You decided to do it. Um, and that was just no food. You still had water,
2: correct? Still had water.
1: That's a long time. 10 days. I feel like most people would never even couldn't even fathom the idea of doing that.
2: I had done a little bit of fasting before and it is like stepwise. Mm -hmm. At that time, I was a little bit more like pushing myself. Now I do like, I usually go for like four days Mm -hmm. and then it's so casual. It's like, there's a point at which you push your body and there's a point at which like you're kind of doing harm to like your mind. It's like now it's just becoming a little bit too much Mm -hmm. and I'm very gentle. If I get to two days and I'm not feeling it, Mm -hmm. I'll have a little bit of fruit. You yeah. know, I'll just chill out and do the practices. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like me just like in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit more like, yeah, you got to do this. You got to initiate. And now I'm very gentle with myself. And
1: Yeah. So when you do, I guess when you decide to do the fasting, do you do special? Like, it sounds like you do special practices during the fasting. You don't just like fast during your daily um, life.
2: Yeah, I pretty well always go away for it if I'm doing. Okay. It'll have usually a specific reason. Okay. And some practices and maybe even like purifications before mm-hmm. like I may eat like a super strict diet for two weeks before just to kind of like get my mind state and my discipline going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Cause most people, I feel like that I know at least they just don't eat, um, you know, for a day or two in their normal life, but they don't incorporate anything else. It's just not eating.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, So, so the 10 days was your big one. Then everything kind of started to flow from there.
2: It put me on that path where in yoga, they talk about having all of our energies in one direction. And that would be like your sexual energies, your. Everything that like usually would take you away from yourself, like the little distractions you have with like the shows you watch that you don't really want to watch. It's not fully in alignment with what you're doing and that, was in that time to like to go back a little bit i um i was in a relationship for four years and then that ended and i basically took two years of pretty well celibacy i don't know what the actual terms of celibacy are yeah i don't know (laughs) i wasn't being with any woman but i was ejaculating at times okay yeah yeah, but for long periods like three months or more i wasn't so that was part of it but i think celibacy is like fully you know
1: oh really I just thought it was no sex, but I don't have the details on it either. Yeah.
2: And it wasn't even like, I didn't initially go like, I'm going to go two years. It was kind of like, I had already been like four months and I was doing all these practices of semen retention mm-hmm. and those are very powerful and change the body in many ways. And then it got to a point where I was like, it's been like four months. It's like, should I just do like a year? <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll just do a year. And it actually came up in the sweat lodge. Oh, really? Do you remember that? I don't I remember. Think you were, I said that I would do it. And I was like, I surprised myself. I was like, oh, I guess I got to do a year now. Oh, no, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never like made it like solid in my head. But I was kind of talking like, okay, I'm kind of doing this. So then I said a year. So this is pretty recent then. Yeah, that was recent. Okay.
1: Um, so you so you would have been in th- that relationship would have ended quite recently then. Well, a couple of years.
2: Two, over two and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, and now what? You're done with the celibacy.
2: So, well, <laughs> not fully just done with the celibacy. Yeah. Okay. It ended. <laughs> <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> 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 oh man.
1: Um, do you want to talk more about maybe some of the semen retention stuff? I feel like people have no clue what any of that is.
2: Yeah. Um, so we don't have like a modern, Way of speaking about semen in (laughs) In yoga, they talk about it as like your life force energy, Mm -hmm. and that kind of makes sense because it's really the life force energy that creates children. Yeah, and for men, it's a very powerful like uh, our body takes a lot of its resources to create that. Mm -hmm. And when when you do ejaculate, you feel really tired because you're releasing a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And if done a lot, you feel really, really tired. Yeah. Yeah, and if you conserve it, you feel really good. So it's a practice that's done in Chinese medicine and yoga and many traditions. And yeah, there's a there's an energy there (laughs) and it's literally in that area Mm -hmm. and it's an inner energy, they would call it. And what you can do with this energy is you can draw it up your spine and to other parts of your body and that energy can nourish those parts of the body. So, this is our capacity. We can use breath and we can move that around the body. We can move blood around the body and we can, I don't know if it's the actual semen, but it's <laughs> the energy that's in yeah. that region. Some call it Kundalini in other areas. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, you can actually take that um, and use it elsewhere um, instead of just releasing it to nothing.
2: Right. And that's part of like, as I was saying, like gathering all the energies in one direction. Mm. It took me that like two years of being like, no women. Just focus on your purpose and like what you really want to do. Gather all that energy in one direction. And then there's a certain kind of magic that happens when we're fully in alignment with what we want to do. And we're not distracted by all this other stuff. Every woman that walks by (laughs) or whatever that may be. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. that seems like it'd be a lot of work, actually.
2: Yeah, it takes a lot of. And it, it felt organic at the time for me, though. It didn't feel forced. Okay. So I did that year and that felt really good. And then it got a little bit vague and then it felt like sexual repression. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, now I'm repressing it. Like it felt super organic for that first year, maybe because I made the full commitment yeah. and that's what I wanted. And then it was just kind of vague. It's just kind of like, well, I'm having sexual feelings and thoughts, but now I'm just not having sex. And then it got all weird. <laughs> so so it's like, okay, <laughs> this is getting weird. Yeah. So then, yeah. So then you obviously just
1: broke it. At that point, it just felt like you were pushing it, I guess.
2: It came, I did another, almost another full year. Okay. And then what had happened, I had met somebody and then it was just this really beautiful, organic and conscious Mm -hmm. intimate relationship that we had briefly. And then it, it came and then it left within a few weeks and it was both like, we had both decided consciously, like this was not a relationship. This was just something really beautiful that we had between us. Mm -hmm. And then it ended. And then that was really just like a big teaching for me of, you know, it felt organic to do the celibacy and then to come back into right relationship with women and the whole sex act. Mm -hmm. Cause it completely transformed the way that I viewed women to be celibate. Mm -hmm. That needed a lot of deep healing in that area. And then to come back to sex as like the most sacred thing. Cause when you've actually given it up, especially when you're older for a time, like food, anything that you give up for that period, you come back into a new relationship with it and there's an opportunity to really alter that.
1: Yeah, that actually, I feel like I've sort of honestly had that (laughs) like a little bit now where I'm like, I don't know, you just think about it differently when instead of when you're like 19 and like everybody's just having sex and you're telling your buddies all your stories and all that kind of stuff, like you don't really care about the girl half the time it's honestly usually just for the story or something stupid like that um whereas now like I don't know I definitely feel like I would treat someone a lot differently coming into those things so um I can see where you're coming from a little bit there Mm. um and I like feel like I've pretty I don't like say I'm gonna be celibate or do any of that stuff but (laughs) it'll just sometimes it'll be months and I just won't have sex and I don't like feel the need to like go out and just try and have sex for the sake of having sex. So, um, I don't think I've, I don't think I've done a year, but there's definitely been some months at times where it just goes by. And before you know it, you're like, Oh wow. It's already been kind of like what you said. It's already been four months. May as well do a year, except I haven't done the may as well do a year yet. (laughs) Right. So,
2: and I do really feel like there is a quality of intention that comes through and like why you're doing it. Because there's guys who just never had sex. They're like, oh, you did a year. Yeah. <laughs> I had my whole lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> I like, beat that. Yeah, I like, okay, well, that's true. It's like, it's not that big of a deal to go with it. No. For a year, but like when there's an intention of like, let's really reorganize the relationship and everything that goes on. And,
1: and I, well, yeah, and I think it's just even society too. Like people think you're supposed, I don't know. Like if, if I tell someone that I haven't had sex for three months, like man what the hell's wrong with you how how what do you mean how can you not do that for three months and i'm like <laughs> i don't know man i'm just like sometimes i just don't even think about it i have so much other stuff going on or other things in life that might be important at that time that i don't know so but people are like i mean may, you know maybe they're addicted or it's whatever they're led to believe about sex i guess
2: yeah there's a it depends what, what kind of circles you're running, yeah. I'm running with a lot of yogis. <laughs> There's a lot of co- interesting conversations around that. Yeah. True. But yeah, our, for the, it's hard to speak in the majority, but like for a lot of our culture just doesn't have a really beautiful and sacred way of relating to sex. And it is the most sacred act. It literally creates life mm-hmm. and it has the capacity. And I did recently get into tantric coaching and tantric intimacy. and, and it really teaches tantra as a way of awakening, not, as the sexual act but awakening to parts of yourself and there's a lot more vulnerability and intimacy and opening up and there's a real opportunity to awaken because we really know ourselves through relationship and the most intimate encounters when we really open ourselves up in that powerful energetic way is one of the ways that we can really move a lot of energy in our body and make connections that we don't feel otherwise in the world and when we use that as a practice, it's kind of like we enter a really high energetic state when we do breath work or when we take a plant medicine or when we uh, make love. Mm-hmm. And if we can find a way to reach that energetic state and stay there in many ways in that beautiful, open, intimate state, then we can carry that out into the world. And tantric intimacy really offers that.
1: So um, what is tantra?
2: Mm. I'm a bad person to ask for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I actually personally don't even really know. I've I've heard it talked about a lot. I've never read into it much. Um, So, yeah, if you have some.
2: I could go a few different ways with this. (laughs) Um,
1: I know that it's related to, like, sexual energy and stuff, but I don't know exactly what it is.
2: I'll give a very specific one. Um, In the ways that I've been taught tantra, which is more Kashmir Shaivism, So I don't think there's too many texts which are like strictly this is what Tantra teaches. And Tantra can be many things and it's spoke about by many people and it's a little bit confusing. In general, it's non-dual. So a lot of in yoga, it's dualistic. They split spirit and body and there's more of this divide. Mm -hmm. Tantra kind of puts everything together and realizes that all the dualities are in us as one. It's kind of like a yin and yang or one. Mm So in that philosophy, a lot of the things that were in yoga and a lot of the spiritual traditions, like don't have sex and don't eat meat and don't party and do all the, the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Tancho was like, it's not that you have to deny them. It's that you have to do them consciously and make them, not make them spiritual, but everything is spiritual in life. And it's not that the things out of church and synagogue aren't spiritual and this is. It's everything is, and it's a way of seeing and doing that and having practices and traditions or a consciousness around sex and eating meat and doing all the fun stuff that does it in a way that's more respectful and uses that to awaken or whatever your spiritual narrative is. So it's a way of coming into different relationship with that.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's like a fully different perspective, really. Okay, that's cool. I like that.
2: Yeah, and in yoga specifically... It's kind of like yin and yang, masculine and feminine. The original, like traditional yoga is more masculine. This is like the way you do it. Mm -hmm. There's a goal and it's like a doing and it's stepwise. Whereas tantra is like, there's no actual way to do it. We'll give you the instructions for the poses, but find your own unique expression. Let it be fluid, kind of show up how you want. So those are like the two polarities. Okay. And most people aren't in the extremes, but they find themselves somewhere in the middle.
1: Okay. yeah, yeah, Yeah. Hmm. So I guess for, like, a for a tantra-like practice, is yoga, like, the main thing? Or there's tons of stuff, like, you just do whatever you want? I guess, Well, I guess, like, you already explained it. You do, you would have a p- kind of just the way you look at life, I guess.
2: Yeah, it depends how traditionally you want to go. Um, a lot of traditional tantra, there's a lot of meditation, visualization, and very traditional practices. And then it kind of got co-opted by, like, the modern 20th century. Yeah. And then it's all just like tantra sex. And most of it's not that much tantra even. Yeah. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> people wanted to call it uh, consci- uh, conscious and tantra. Mm-hmm. So there's no real rules yeah. about So people kind of. You just make it. Yeah. Thing.
1: You just go with it. Mm. Yeah. Okay.
2: It's known as like yoga is the path and tantra is like the pathless path. Mm-hmm. So it's so much more ambiguous and you can tell a lot of people like it because they can kind of write their own rules yeah which is good and bad (laughs) yeah depending on how you want to look at it (laughs) yeah yeah
1: okay um so i don't know where to jump back to now um because that was kind of tied in with the celibacy thing which is now over um i don't know where do you want to go um we can I don't know what about some of the I don't know what have you done what did you do after that or
2: so it's kind of interesting I really feel like I'm still stepping into what I fully love to do and I keep branching off into different arts because I do yoga qigong breath work and I keep fusioning them Mm -hmm. and I really love that like I hear all these stories about like entrepreneurs and businessmen they're like Ever since I was a kid, I've been selling stuff and that's like, that's your thing. And when like the doctor finds this thing, it's like, I've always been trying to fix people. Mm-hmm. And like mine's like, I've always been altering my state of consciousness since I was like a little boy. I took like so much gravel that it was hallucinating when I was just like 14. I was, like, <laughs> what I was just like, uh, do- because you wanted to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was the internet. And I was like, how can you get high naturally when you're like 13 and like, I tried everything from, like, smoking banana peels to... <laughs> when that. you were, like, 13. Yeah, at such a young age. I didn't... So I grew up, for the most part, on... We lived on, like, an acreage mm-hmm. with, like, no one around. Actually, it's quite near here. Okay. Yeah, so there's not, like, friends to play with. So it was, like, me in the backyard. <laughs> what do you do? So I, like, dug holes and sat in them. and <laughs> <laughs> Smoked banana peel. Yeah. Oh, my. So that was, like at first it's like you're a child and you just want to alter your state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, it became more about really how is this altering my state of consciousness, giving me something? What is it giving me? Mm -hmm. Where is it going? So that really led me into the nervous system and transformation. Mm -hmm. And so much of the nervous system is how we relate to self and other. And it deals with our emotions, our sensations, our perceptions and our thoughts. So it's pretty all-encompassing. Yeah. And most of the nervous system is built on patterns. And most of those patterns are from the first seven years of our life. When we're pretty well unconscious. And we're just having things instilled into us. Through our parents and our environment. So much of these patterns are repeating themselves in our body. And how we move, be, relax, or relate to others. So when we alter our state of consciousness enough. We create neuroplasticity in the way that our brain is functioning and we can change our state of consciousness and our perception and when we repeatedly move into these states we can one gain a lot of awareness of what our current patterns are and we can move out of them but as we continually come into these practices we can kind of build a way of rewiring and coming out of that patterning and consciously choosing our own patterning mm-hmm. So, like, my work now is just, like, what are all these practices? And breath is one of the most powerful ways to, one, alter the consciousness, and, two, to create highly neuroplastic states, which are going to actually rewire the nervous system successfully.
1: Mm -hmm. So you've been, um, well, I guess... You found some, <laughs> obviously found stuff that actually works now yes. as opposed to the peels and cough syrup, although maybe the cough syrup did work. I don't know. It
2: absolutely works, but that wouldn't recommend it. To anyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess a more, na- a more actually natural way now right. with the breath work. Um, so what other things have you tried?
2: I did um, just under four days in a dark room. Okay. So that's like originally like monks do it for like 30 days. Just pitch black. Pitch black. And the idea is that once the brain thinks it's night constantly, it builds up enough melatonin, which is one of the hormones that makes us sleepy. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point it hits a threshold and our body starts making different chemicals, which are more psychedelic in nature. Mm. And you basically just start dreaming while awake. So I briefly went into this where it got pretty like, hypogognic and you know you see the spirals and everything Mm -hmm. coming through but it was just such a when all the senses are diminished and you're in that kind of sensory deprivation there's just like a widening it's just like a black Yeah, yeah yeah but it's just like this big empty void and it's just so open and like yeah it was one of the most unique states of consciousness and as i expressed like when you go away from food or sex briefly you come into a big relationship with it again and i had that with light where i like i craved light i wanted it like i wanted food and sex and i was like i just want to see like a little bit of light <laughs> and at one point during like the last day i like opened it a little bit and like a little piece came through and i was like <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing And i just like started crying and like yeah so that's a trip.
1: Yeah, I never even thought about doing that. Like, you hear about people doing food or water or the fast and even the celibacy, the sex stuff a lot, but I never even thought about it in that sense with the darkness and the light like that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like even in the winter, I feel like I notice I feel way better when it's sunny out and it's like a nice day after it's been kind of shitty for five days, but... I couldn't imagine being like pitch black for four or five days and then seeing light for the first time again. That would be a, I kind of want to try it now.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Have you ever tried a flotation tank?
1: I've done those. Yeah. Um, But when I used to try them, it's when like I was in a really bad place and Mm. I couldn't really, like I would basically just lay in there and shake from anxiety half the time. So I wasn't really like (laughs) relaxing or getting into it. I was just kind of like, this sucks. Um, but I tried it. And I've thought about going back um, since to try it again. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I will. I guess it's a way shorter version of it.
2: Yeah. But because of, like, the water temperature and how things are, mm. you generally get to that state of, like, speak of yeah. it. Yeah. A little bit more altered quicker. Yeah, for yeah.
1: Sure. I should try it again.
2: But, yeah. I used to do them monthly. And, like, it was a really good way of taking all the sensation out for a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but if there's things to process as you went through (laughs) yeah then the body's going to use that resources (laughs) and like okay yeah yeah no it wasn't the the best um experience it could have
1: been i don't think um okay so the oh the four days in darkness did you eat and stuff then too or was that no it was fasting okay I get that must help with like the hallucinogenic part, I guess.
2: Right. Yeah. Fasting, you enter such a for my for me pardon me I enter such a, like a uh, internal state where I'm so conscious, like I feel like I can move within my viscera so much more. Hmm. And because of that, when you know how to breathe into certain areas of your body, and that's the interesting thing about breath work is when we have a hormone and gland center we have ma- many major ones in our stomach and other areas. If we can place our awareness in that area and breathe into it, we can affect the function. Mm-hmm. So, so when you're completely fasted, your capacity to breathe into those areas is greatly enhanced. Mm. So when people like the mystics who go and do 40 days, they really learn to master their neurophysiology in such a delicate way because of all the time and, yeah. and energy that they can put into those spaces.
1: 40 days fasting.
2: Yeah. I know a few people have done 30 days.
1: That'd be crazy. And the longest you've done is 10. 12. Oh, that's long. I haven't even done one, so. Uh. (laughs) That's cool. 30 days.
2: Yeah, it's something to try for those who are called. Yeah. If not.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess.
0: You don't have to do
2: anything. You don't have to do anything in life. That's like... I in the last three years, I've had a two to six hour daily practice of meditation. And then I go and I teach a lot of these things. And I tell people that and I'm like, but you don't need to do that. Like mm-hmm. 20 minutes is fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Don't, don't do what I do. Like I'm just doing that because this is just the time of my life when I feel really called to do mm-hmm. that. And I perfectly am open to next year doing 20 minutes for the rest of my life. Like, I'm not really. <laughs> it doesn't have to
1: be forever.
2: Yeah, it's just what's suiting me really well right
1: now. So right now you're doing two to six hours a day of meditation.
2: Yes. But it's like, it's really varied. So like, what are the practices? It's meditation or Qigong or yoga. Sometimes it's ecstatic dance. Sometimes it's more of a workout. But I'm doing these extended periods yeah, of yeah. mind-body awareness. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, two, that's six, that's a long time.
2: <laughs> it's, it's an average of four. Okay. I would say. Two hours, at least in the morning, two hours at night. And then I'm usually doing about an hour of activity during the day too. Yeah. Yeah, it
1: adds up quick actually.
2: Yeah. Especially when you teach a lot of these things. Like if I do a workshop, that may be two hours right there. Yeah, true. Something like that. And I'm already doing my two-hour practice to prep for that. And then at nighttime, I want to close everything down. So
1: Yeah, yeah. You're kind of always doing it really. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um. Oh yeah. We were, we were on the four hour darkness thing. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what, what else have you done past that? I like hearing about this stuff because it's things that people like, I mean, I don't know anybody else who's ever sat there in the darkness for four days and (laughs) hasn't eaten. So it's very interesting.
2: The funny thing about that one was like, I didn't go to a place to do it. I was just like, I have three days off. What am I going to do? I'm going to board up my windows. So I did it in my room. Oh, <laughs> you, did, you
1: stayed in your room for three days.
2: Yeah. I, had a, I was in a condo at the time and I just like, it covered the with sheets and I just closed the door. And then I, <laughs> so you didn't even go in the kitchen or anything. You just no. fully in your, I didn't even go to the washer. Oh my gosh. I got Like a big bucket. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Holy I figured you, like, had the whole house and we were like, okay, I board everything up nicely you can, like, move around to no, know just stuck in the no, room. I, I, I
2: hardly have actually moved on that one. Sometimes when I fast, I just get super tired. Okay. And I don't want to move. So I was just, like, on the floor the whole time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely pictured more of a, like, a lot of movement and, like, kind of walking around or maybe trying to, like, stay busy kind
2: of thing. That was one of the aims was, like, I know that, when you're in sensory deprivation, you have much more of an ability to have that mind-body awareness. So I was like, my practices will deepen so much and I can go into these postures and just find new and new layers. Mm-hmm. But I was on the floor the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even think I practiced yoga at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, <can't move. laughs> I, was, I was done. Um, another interesting one, which is uh, a little bit more controversial, is I've done urine therapy a bit. Oh. <laughs> we talked about this. Yeah, that, yeah. So urine therapy is something I've tried and on that dark room I did urine therapy there. Oh, in yeah.
1: it. Yeah. So what is the point of that? Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard someone else talk about it recently, actually, not that they'd done it, but they were like on the opposite side saying who the, f- basically who the fuck would ever do
2: that. Yeah. And I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not so out there that I don't realize how weird it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. But, um. Like, it is a widely researched therapy. Mm -hmm. It's done all around the world. It's done in Europe quite a bit. Um, The research is quite conclusive that it's quite incredible for you in a range of pretty well every condition that you have. Um, It's in Chinese medicine. It's in yogic philosophy. So it's an ancient practice. Um, There's different ways of doing it. One is just, like, drinking a little bit in the morning. Mm -hmm. And the other is aged urine, where you actually age it. So you want it to be like three, four weeks old at least. Some people save it for like a year. And there's a change in it, which increases the stem cells. Okay. And then you're reintroducing active stem cells into your body. So they can kind of go and do their work wherever. Some of the ideas behind it is that it is sterile. Mm -hmm. So it's a misconception that it's not sterile. (laughs) But our body is like taking in all of what it's fighting. And then it's releasing immunoglobins, which are like the little markers of what it was fighting. And reintroducing them back into the body is a way to tell the body what it's fighting. It's reintroducing, giving it information. Okay. And there's a lot of hormones and vitamins that are just gone right out. Mm -hmm. And if you just reintroduce them, it's a way of running the ship a little more efficiently. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't want to lose all that. Drink that protein powder, (laughs) put it back in. (laughs) So
1: if... If you um, were to save it for a year, how do you do that? Like the ones when you did it, you didn't save it.
2: Or did you try some I, of I the aged? Ha- I, I have done aged. Um, but at that time, I don't think I was. I saved the batch from that though. Okay. Because I didn't drink at all. But I saved some from the dark room. It was like my special batch. <laughs> why, why was your I your special I have... batch? So it depends on what you've been eating in the effects of it
1: yeah i was gonna say it must matter like what you're intaking prior to doing it
2: yeah one of the things you want to reduce or have none of is meat okay a lot of nitrogen comes through you don't want to reintroduce that but if you've been eating like just vegetarian or just fruit Mm -hmm. it actually tastes quite pleasant really (laughs) (laughs) i became i did a fruititarian before okay so you just eat fruit for a bit Yeah. and it tastes really good okay Some of the subjective effects that I noticed was um, in recent years, I've been eating more intuitively, like I've tried keto and paleo and all these things. And now it's just kind of I go to a grocery store and I kind of check in with my body and what it wants Mm -hmm. and my capacity to choose the right foods for myself. It was greatly enhanced. Like I would literally crave certain foods because my body, I felt it has been like this is what we need yeah and it, it was very clear when you were doing the urine therapy when it I was made doing it more it.
1: clear yes mm, that's interesting
0: yeah
2: and
1: so you obviously did it multiple times um and then what was the longest aged one that you did and did you notice a difference from like doing aged or non-aged
2: yeah age is really powerful
1: it's like um
2: <laughs> the, fir- the first time i did it like a big dose of it I went to the gym and then I went to the sauna and I was like on the ground having like a detox reaction. Holy. Like yeah, I've done like pretty harsh detox. It is like that same feeling of just like everything in my cells feels like it's coming out. Mm. It's highly uh, alkalizing to the body too. Okay. So that's very.
1: And how much would you drink at a time? Or that depended too. Like a little. Just a little like shot. Kind shot of thing. or two. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: And. It's like the cure-all, apparently. Yeah. So yeah. there's so many applications. So you can put it on different parts of your body and it'll absorb it for skin. Oh. You, you can put it in a neti pot and you can put it up your nose. <laughs> and it g- it gets you really high. Holy. So I, I don't do many of these things regularly, but I have tried them quite a bit. And so you can even get high off of it. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> That's... that's, <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> wow, yeah, I... I I wouldn't
2: Um, expect that. And I've also done it in the eyes, which it really, really burns. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's it's supposed to be (laughs) purifying. Holy. It felt a lot like, have you ever heard of Sananga? No. Sananga is a a jungle medicine. So it's an eye drop. It's a, they call it a psychedelic medicine. but Traditionally, you would put it in your eyes and it burns. And it's supposed to be really good for your eyes. And it felt the exact same during the urine therapy in the eyes. Okay. Okay. To what you go through. And it's a certain level of surrender that comes through.
1: Yeah, I.
2: <laughs> Once again, I don't recommend any of these things. It's like, yeah, it's I, if someone says that's the stupidest thing, I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. I mean, well, I think it's. I don't know. It's cool to like have done it. I, I mean, I don't know. I was, I, just, I was in an interesting place. I still don't know if I would do it, but it's like intriguing (laughs) right um I had another question about it but I can't remember now um yeah oh no I was gonna say that what's that athlete's foot thing because you were saying when you put it on your body they kind of like a cure-all um it's athlete's foot or something where you're supposed to pee on your own feet Mm -hmm. so essentially it's like the same thing
2: yeah a lot of fighters. I don't know this, but I've heard, <laughs> yeah. I've, heard, I've heard a lot of fighters will pee on their feet and yeah. their body after they train mm-hmm. just to clear everything from the mats off, too. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Because um, yeah, well, I know people even think that's gross. I'm not going to pee on my feet. I'm like, well, you're in the shower. Like, really, it's not that bad. <laughs> Come on.
2: There was definitely a... um, Like, the first time I wanted to drink a little, there was, like, that resistance of, like, it's just the idea of drinking it Mm -hmm. which made it gross it didn't taste gross at all yeah but it's just like the idea of what i'm doing was gross and then that went away which was a really interesting like psychological shift Mm -hmm. And, and now i'm not trying to like be a proponent of it but i think there's many things in and around these regions and we can talk about like butt plugs and other things going (laughs) on in the yoga. I haven't tried that, but (laughs) things are going on in the yoga world. Yeah. yeah. And like, this is very common stay all the year in therapy for many of the people I talk to. And it's just like, we have such a resistance and it's just not talked about. No. As we said, like sexual practices, drinking (laughs) Cronair and doing all these things. Not that everyone should be doing them, but there's just such a, like, it's a black area. No one's even talked to heard about it. Yeah. That's the thing.
1: Like even for, you know, if I put myself back like four years ago and I like, you know, we were going to talk about this shit, I would literally be like, what the fuck? This is the dumbest shit ever. Who would do that? Um, you know, I, like, and I feel like that's where a lot of people are with it. Cause like, yeah, when are you ever going to hear about that? You're not going to learn about it in school. Your parents aren't going to tell you about it. Yeah. Your friends are probably never gonna, it's just kind of the, one of those things you end up, I don't know if you become open-minded enough and start doing other practices, you'll eventually learn about it, I guess. Right. Um,
2: I feel it'll come in. Maybe not all of the things we talked about, <laughs> yeah, but down the line as we get more research and that's what the mass part of culture wants to see True. is like the research. And as I said, we kind of talked about this at beginning at first, I was all into research and reading mm-hmm. and then I became more experiential. Yeah. I was like, is it going to kill me? Cool. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> yeah. Go fast and do all these things. And it's like, what is it? What was my experience? Did it help me? Mm-hmm. And then just go from there. And then it's just like you're so much more in tune with your body rather than what everyone else is saying, and you're really just being curious and exploring like a human does.
1: Yeah, and like you, re- you really never will know unless you actually do it. Like at the end of the day, as much as you yeah. read about it, um, doesn't really matter unless you're literally gonna do it. You're never gonna
2: right. know. And that vein of, like, curiosity and playfulness, I feel, is just not in inner society and culture enough. Be like, I'm going to bring up sex again. It's like, unless you're open to be playful and curious, then how are you going to discover all the wonderful things that can happen between two humans unless you've read about it or seen it? Mm-hmm. And the amount of stuff that people watch doesn't have a really array of things <laughs> that you can do. No, that's true. <laughs> and the things that people read about, once again, like, the literature on, like, multi-orgasmic and tantric and... Mm-hmm. the Kama Sutra is like no one's reading that no so where are they getting their ideas like how boring with everyone's slow <laughs> 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 you gotta be curious right yeah they need to do some more research yeah Peeing each other yeah. <laughs> 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 <Not a laughs> uh,
1: um, well what I don't know is there is there other stories what else have you done besides the peeing I mean we're already into pretty it's a pretty good go. stuff there. <laughs> How see, did you, you want to go in that region? Yeah, I don't know what else you got.
2: As far as you are, right, I think that one's through.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um what about some of the trips like overseas that you did with some of the mm-hmm. more kind of plant medicine stuff?
2: Mhm. Um My first one was one of the most like paradigm shattering ones for me to go to the Amazon jungle, which is like eye-opening enough. Mm -hmm. And we did have the fortunate experience to kind of see some of the people who live out in the jungle more often to the jungle. And like they were just the happiest people that I've ever seen. They would work five days a week and it was like small time work and chickens were running around everywhere. And then they had some speakers. And for two days, they would just like bump disco music and dance. (laughs) And I was like, there are other ways to live. Yeah, There are other ways to live. And the experiences on the medicine were very much paradigm shifting for me, who had been using these altered states of consciousness quite a bit, but not having a community of people around me, Mm -hmm. and in particular – an indigenous tradition who had been using them for thousands of years and spoke about them and spoke and had all the experiences i was having and it was common stay i was like yeah well these are the spirits and we do this and this and we cleanse in this way and then it all felt so normal and i didn't have that exposure at home and that really introduced me to like the the psychedelic community mm-hmm. and the larger indigenous communities which i now and we both know actually a few of men in there mm-hmm. Um, and that allows for community, which is one of the most important pieces of doing all those, that kind of work, I feel.
1: Yeah. It changes a lot of it. Um, so before most of the stuff you're doing was alone. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then coming there, you get to meet every (laughs) bunch of other people who are going to be doing the same things as you. Yeah. Makes it a lot more, I don't know, maybe inviting. Uh
2: Uh-huh. And it kind of guides it in a way. Mm -hmm. As I said, I started off very young and often, you know, not in a very respectful manner, Mm -hmm. just kind of doing them one off. And the intention and the respect of the plant and the medicine and what was happening wasn't there. And as I began to move into these circles enough and learn from elders, then I really learned the way of respecting and how to work with the medicine and how to really build that relationship because. It's a relationship, and it's one that's constantly needing to be cared for, mm-hmm. intended for, with intention and a great deal of consciousness and knowing when is right and when is not right.
1: Yeah, that'll change your whole experience with like the medicine as well, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and like, how did you get out to the Amazon?
2: Mm, took a plane, <laughs> <laughs>
1: and wow. then um, like, and then a boat. I guess. How did you know? Um, like. Like, how did you hear about it, or how were y- did you know where you were supposed to go? Um, or was it kind of like a like a retreat? Like, was it well known? Or
2: it was a retreat. Okay. Um,
1: I just feel like I don't know. Like, I don't even know where you'd find one of those things. I'm sure if I looked hard enough online, I could probably yeah. find something. But, um, yeah,
2: it wasn't too long ago. I'd say three or four years ago. So, like, the ayahuasca tourism is. Quite large, yeah. Um, but it was kind of spur of the moment for me, as I said, I didn't really know anyone who was doing psychedelics mm-hmm. at that point, and I was just kind of like looked it up online. I was like, I'm gonna go do this, and I'm quite conservative parents, and didn't really tell them that I was gonna do that. I was like going I'm off to the jungle, <laughs> I'm like, okay, and yeah, I just went off, found a retreat, we had some decent reviews, and had a really good relationship with everyone there. And okay, yeah, it was a lot of trust and going off in the jungle <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> to no, get no, all your no. shots and uh, yeah but it was really it just felt really right yeah i yeah. felt i'd been called to do that for quite a long time okay that it was like i knew that people had been doing that for several years and it just came to a point in my life when there was an opening mm-hmm. i yeah i was with a a partner at the time and we went on a break and i was like going to the jungle (laughs) (laughs) that's that's like the complete opposite thing most
1: people do (laughs) i feel like that would be definitely better than just going to the bar for a month straight right yeah well much different probably actually get something out of it yeah so what was the experience like the first time that you went like with i guess with the medicine.
2: The biggest piece that came up, which was like paradigm shattering, was like what we, in my work, we call like our first chakra, which is our connection to our community and parents and the conditioning of wanting mommy and daddy's love. And for me, it was like I was accepting this new worldview and really allowing it to be that there are these other dimensions of consciousness and just it wasn't what I was brought up with in The Christian domain yeah Yeah. and how I kind of related to my parents and that was very much like I felt very it was hard Mm -hmm. it was hard for me it was one of the most challenging nights just to have that like I felt that like separation from the parent at that time Mm -hmm. to be like I don't like I had kind of teased with these ideas because I had so many experiences that shattered my worldview. Mm-hmm. But then it was like solidified. It's like you can't go back now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, you know, the the idea was in my head. It's like my parents will abandon me or they won't love me. Mm-hmm. Which was that kind of first yeah. That kind of fear that comes up. So really coming to deal with that and be like, this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's like the start. And in many traditions they talk about like the ego is a bad thing. But in many talk about the ego is like when you actually differentiate and begin to truly have your own opinions and that you will stand by Mm -hmm. and that was like for me one of the times when I actually finally finalized like this is my truth
1: yeah you finally had your own thing you figured out what you believed in
2: yeah and I was willing to accept that even if it meant that my parents wouldn't love me Mm -hmm. and of course my parents are awesome and they still love me but at the time, it was like, no, they're not <laughs> going to love me. <laughs> Come on, we'll be abandoned. <laughs> uh, that was going to be my question is, do they still love you? <laughs> Absolutely. And every time something comes up new, and I'm in a very weir- weird world, obviously, for them, mm-hmm. altered states of consciousness and breathwork, and they love me all the same. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go see them right after. Yeah. I'm right. <laughs> right nearby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how much of the stuff do you, like, share? Like, do they, are they, do they ask, and are they curious about what you're doing? There's um, a lot of that. Just kind of like th- they don't really ask. Okay, <laughs> like yeah, i would never believe that stuff,
2: but also don't really
1: want to hear about it.
2: I think it's just not in their domain. No, it's it,
1: and I think it's a lot too. I mean, like you, you could sit there and tell them all this stuff, and like wouldn't even really mean anything because they might not even know what you're talking about at all.
2: Yeah, and it depends. Like we're discussing pretty casually mm-hmm. here, but I might talk to about it. Talk to them in a way that describes like the benefits. And that's what I did when I came home. Yeah. I was like, this is what I'm like seeing the world as now. This is like this journey that I've been on. And then I go back and back and back. And finally I get to, and I took this hallucinogenic brew in the jungle with a bunch of shamans. Mm-hmm. That's like the last piece. Yeah, It's all about like the realizations and the integration, how this has changed my worldview. What does this mean for our relationship? Mm-hmm. This is me. And then that point about the experience, which is like such a small piece. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, true. and that's a big thing in spirituality. It's like, it's not the experience. It's the continual, like where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, I like that perspective and like the way that you would talk to them about it. I feel like I do that a lot too. Because when people ask about retreats or even just like the breathwork retreats, right? People are kind of like, what the hell do you do there? I'm like, well, I don't really know how to explain all that. And even if you tell them everything that you do, that doesn't really sell them on it or give them much information. It's kind of what you got out of it. Right. Um, So.
2: Yeah, I've had to, you really try to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And like, I blend kind of both the more scientific world and the more spiritual world. And when I'm in Vancouver, I'm speaking more to the science of it. Everything grounded so that people will hear it, mm-hmm. and, then if, and then if I go to Salt and Spring Island, I'm ooming and ooming and doing everything <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's just like the flexibility within myself to meet people where they're at, mm-hmm. and just like how can I best meet their need if this is applicable to them, and speak so that they hear. It.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I know a lot of people. um Yeah, like the spiritual stuff, they don't w- won't get, and even for me, I do like the scientific stuff because I'm the same way as you where I want to know what's going on in me when it's happening. Right. Um, and that usually sometimes makes it easier, but I don't know. Cause I feel like if I don't know or have an idea that when I'm sitting there trying to do things the whole time, I'm just thinking like what the hell is actually happening right now? And I'm trying to like uh-huh. analyze what's going on. So yeah, I do like the scientific stuff.
2: Have you had many mystical experiences with breathwork or otherwise
1: honestly no like if you do you mean like out of body stuff or yeah. I yeah, guess anything, anything. Kind of um i had like a rebirthing once with Ed, and that was um probably the most I don't really know how I would describe it, but I guess the most mystical thing um I haven't I feel like I'm al- always close. Like an out of body, but as soon as it's about to happen, I like hold on so tight because I'm so scared that like I just can't surrender to it or let go. So it's something that I just don't think I'm maybe ready yet. I feel like it's something I think is cool because when I read about it in books and stuff, I'm like, man, that sounds like wild. I wanna experience that, but I think maybe right now I'm just wanting to the idea of experiencing it might be for the wrong reason. Um I'm yeah, I think, I don't know, like a year ago, I would be like, when I first saw Ed, I almost was going to say to him, like, because I knew that was possible that you could have an out-of-body experience with it. I was going to say, like, I was going to tell him, don't let that happen to me. Like, I'm too scared. Um, whereas now, um, I feel a lot more calm about it. Whereas like, I don't know, I feel like I'm almost at the point where I could surrender to it, but it takes I don't know. It takes time. I just feel like I haven't been ready and I've been like freaked out about like, what if I don't come back or all these kind of like worries about it, I guess. Um, So I don't really, yeah, that's where I'm at with it, I guess.
2: (laughs) It's not necessary.
1: No. Well, and that's what a lot of people say too, is they're like, you know, I've had out of body, but I'd rather be in my body.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It comes like within breath work, some people leave their body Mm -hmm. because they don't want to be in their body. And it can be more of a pattern of not wanting to be with Mm. emotions and everything that is
1: kind of like a running.
2: Yeah. So as soon as something gets a little bit intense, they leave their body Mm. and that's could just be their pattern, but it could also be that they're, you know, going out and having a really, who knows, mystical experience, whatever that means to each person. Yeah. But I treat breath work like meditation and in that it's that we're not trying to get somewhere. And that's one of the the biggest things in the new age spiritual community that, that is coming up a lot, I find, and especially in the psychedelic realm, is wanting to get to somewhere mm-hmm. and having many experiences and trying to get to that heightened state mm-hmm. and stay yeah. there. When I feel a much more grounded philosophy is, yes, we can reach those states, but it's really about just being with all that is at all times. And not trying to choose just the positive over the negative and that creates this kind of division. So in breath work that looks like not always needing to have a big experience and a cry and uh, release a big emotion for it to be a successful session because mm-hmm. sometimes maybe you just needed to come back to yourself and check in and whatever doesn't move there is completely it's perfect. Yeah. And so long as we're still chasing and having that and wanting that experience it just becomes something completely different. It's such a doing state of like trying to get somewhere.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's how I was for a long time with it. Even at some of the retreats, I'd be like, you know, people would have these crazy experiences and I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't get anything. <laughs> Why? How does that work? <laughs> so I would, I would get upset about it sometimes. Like, man, like, Oh, this is stupid and that kind of stuff. But, um, we've got a lot better with it now. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now. That's right on that. It's called the practicing mind. And it's about, Enjoying the process of like you know it's not about where you're going because most people live like that. You're thinking so much about the end goal that you're not you're missing everything while you're getting there. Um, So yeah, like really just being in the process and in the moment and just enjoying that no matter what happens. So it's been I've liked it. It's a good book. Who's oh, it by? Uh, oh, I don't even remember actually. I was gonna say Stephen Pressfield, but it's not. That was a different book. Mm. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it comes up a lot in in uh, a lot of like Buddhist philosophy, mm-hmm. or even Zen, like Adyashanti, and it's much more about just like just being here now. And there's a there's an interesting story about uh, what's his name, Jack Cornfield. Have you ever heard of him?
1: Oh, someone said his name the other day. It
2: might be have been me. Oh, actually,
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah, maybe.
1: Or no, um. I'm doing a little spiritual course right now. It's every Uh, Tuesday night, and the teacher read a quote from him at the beginning of my last class, but Mm. I don't remember it. It He's a
2: really beautiful teacher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But he tells a story about his teacher, Ajahn Shah, who is a forest monk, which means that they're out doing, like, probably, like, 40-day fast in caves, and they're having all these big experiences. They're out with the tigers, and they're out there for decades out in the forest. And he comes to his teacher and he's like, I've had this experience, like samadhi experience. My body dissolved in the light, my heart chakra opened and all these mystical things I can see and do all these da 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 da, all these mystical abilities. And the teacher just goes, you've missed the whole point. <laughs> you're, you're, still, you're still chasing experiences. Like, that's great. That's all within the human capacity. And like, when we do breathwork, we open up to all these perceptual abilities and intuitiveness that we never knew we had mm-hmm. but like if we get lost in it we've completely missed the point mm-hmm. of this whole human experience <laughs> and that <laughs> grounded wisdom really keeps me like right because at first too when i got into the whole breath work and yogi spiritual world and everyone's like i can read dog's thoughts and <laughs> everyone's got their own mystical abilities yeah. and i'm like crap i only have like this mystical ability and i want more yeah and then it was like a thing that i had to go and that was part of the reason in the beginning where i wanted to do some of these fast it's like i gotta get somewhere mm-hmm. like jesus was fast in 40 days i'm only doing 10 like, come on <laughs> Zach, pick it up <laughs> yeah. and that was that real strain of like forcing myself into it like i was trying to be somewhere be somebody I had to save the world mm-hmm. and then finally let that all go and be like cool like i know some super sensitive people that they can't even be in a room like this because there's too much electricity because mm-hmm. they're so sensitive to energy. I'm like, great. I'm so grateful for whatever I have because yeah, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah, no, that's,
1: <laughs> I think that's a huge shift. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's definitely a hard one to make too because I feel like growing up, um, that's kind of just what you're led. That's how you're kind of, I guess, raised. Essentially, everybody, you're always like, Going for that next thing, try to get the grades, get to the, you know, get high school, get the job, get the car, or the house. It's always like, it's always something.
2: Right. Yeah. We are, we are raised in a, a doing culture. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. Like the West is more doing traditionally in our history because, like, the people who went overseas are the people who do things. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. no one else goes overseas. The people who are more into being in, like, their inner dimension are the ones who are going to sit there and not go overseas. Yeah. And like in history, this is like India where they're more internal. And there's a certain amount of problems that come with that because just we've developed in a way and they haven't because they've been more internal. Mm -hmm. But we've we've developed in such a way that we've kind of done our own muck too, like (laughs) the positives and negatives. (laughs) And what we're seeing now, which is really beautiful, is East is meeting West Mm -hmm. and there's a convergence. We're having more of the being and less of the doing getting somewhere. So the real balancing act of us in the West is more of that being state, more of realizing we don't need to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. And for the other way around, it's like them to be in more doing state and having that synergy and how to find that balance.
1: Yeah. You can really integrate the two now.
2: Right. Because it's both like with spiritual practice or any yoga or anything, you want your stable practice, which is just like here and now the stuff you do every day. And then you want the bigger experiences to get you somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you kind of balance both of those. If you get too much into one or the other, your practice will stagnate and you won't have the same growth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty much impossible to like constantly have massive experiences, I feel like.
2: Right. It's Just an attachment to that experience, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have that all the time. Like when I practice as much as I do, it's like I'm not hitting those experiences every day. And sometimes the best thing for me is just to drop all my practices. Yeah. And just be like, just get up and go for a walk. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> give it a break. Yeah, okay. And then also to have like the biggest breakthrough. Of like, yeah, because you're in such a control pattern. of trying to get somewhere. If you just let go once in a while, mm-hmm. you have that balance in you. Yeah, for sure. So it's always finding that balance.
1: It's a hard thing to find.
2: Uh, I got one. Okay. Um, I did a three-day dance. You did? We d- it wasn't full dance, but like over twelve hours a day.
1: And who were you? Who was that with? That was with, that was with the group. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and where was it? That? Like weird. in a, in the forest or something?
2: No, it was in a hall or a church or something.
1: And you all like stayed there for three days.
2: Um. No, we did go. You went home, we but you all. came back,
1: and then you just danced every day for twelve hours.
2: Yeah. And it was powerful. It was good. That was one of my first, like I got into ecstatic dance a fair amount and they have it in Squamish weekly. Okay. But, uh, that was one of my first exposures to such a free movement, which opened up a lot of emotion in my body. I was, it's all been with the same person I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. but on and off again, relationship. And like, I was going through one of our off periods Mm -hmm. and I had such a big breakdown. Like I ended up crying in the middle of like the, the stage or whatever it was. And it was a really sweet moment because I was like, I hadn't balled like that in public. And some like motherly woman just like put her hand on me and just like coaxing me, like, continue, continue. Mm-hmm. And I just let rip <laughs> everything, like complete baby tears. And then it ended up being like 20 people all had their hands on me in the end. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so it was a very powerful experience to so come and dance in that way.
1: Um. So with the dance, like what is a static dance, I guess? I don't know even fully what it is. Is it just you do whatever you
2: want, kind of? Pretty well. Okay. It's not really dancing with partners, though you can dance with people. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just like freely exploring movement to music. And for some, there is prompting. Like there will be like a certain, do like a more flowing Mm -hmm. or do like a more yin or yang. And there is some, and some it's just music. Okay. So it really depends. I'm Yeah.
1: And I mean, I guess too, it's again comes back to like the experience is probably different when you're with all those people, right? Especially in your scenario, right? Like having the yeah. breakout and them all being able to be there for you and hold that space. Whereas like if you were just at home and put music on and danced around for twelve hours, probably wouldn't be the same thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, it could be just as powerful or different, mm-hmm. but like you never know. In mock, like I may be doing or going on the route of doing sun dancing. Which are you familiar with a little bit? It's a native thing, right? Uh-huh. Um,
1: isn't it like a three-day thing where you get like stuck to a tree yeah. or something? And then all your friends and family come to like support too, right? Yeah.
2: So I'm not, I don't want to go into too much on the details because I don't know them well okay. enough to speak about it too much. But yeah, they erect a tree in the middle and the dancers are tied to it. Mm-hmm. And they're, for the most part, fasting for the three days Mm -hmm. and dancing and there's central prayers and this is basically the the axis of life and the whole community comes and supports Mm -hmm. that's powerful like group prayer and sending intention like that when people are all that determined to Mm -hmm. send intention like that that's a powerful force and usually as part of that there is a vision quest or fasting journey that is done too
1: before after before i believe okay yeah, my yeah. friend's mom actually did one last summer. Mm. Um and he was like, I don't know what the hell she's thinking, but I'll go cuz like if you're the one attached to the tree, um for yeah. hers you were like basically it was like a hook through your skin. Yeah. Um and then they have all the families like around supporting, but obviously the people on the tree are fasting um and doing their whole thing and he's like, well, for us he's like yeah i just go and eat a bunch of food and stuff to support her so why not he's like i just get to go and do that um but yeah. Yeah, everybody else around gets to eat and provide you know essentially you're providing um through i don't exactly know what but through some mm-hmm. sort of force to them being attached to the tree
2: yeah yeah those are powerful traditions and mm-hmm. i really honor the, the indigenous cultures and their ways like we've been through sweat lodge mm-hmm. together and It's a powerful place. So it's just, when you explain it as like just a few guys hanging out in a little sweat lodge to someone else who hasn't experienced it or is not accommodated to praying or setting intention in that way, Mm -hmm. there's a different aspect that most people haven't come in contact with.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like, I don't know, especially like when people ask me about it, I always laugh right away because I just picture my first time walking up to Vern's sweat lodge and like (laughs) I literally... I just thought it was a pile of tarps on the ground. And I was like, you know, we're soaking the fire and stuff. I'm like, so where's the sweat lodge? And like, well, that's it right there. I'm like, Oh my God. I thought that was like literally a pile of tarps. Like uh. it looks, it is tiny. It's small. And from the outside, I don't know. It just seems, yeah, small, like this little thing of tarps, but when you're in there and it's closed and it's pitch black and you're just smashed in there with eight guys, like it's just different. You kind of, you, you fully forget about what you're sitting in. It's not even like a thought while you're in there. It doesn't matter what it's made out of. So um, yeah, it's definitely very powerful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It becomes like a little portal on (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Come out. You're like. Yeah. And that was one of the er original teachings that I received is that it is many of the traditions like Sundance and the sweat lodge were made for the men Mm -hmm. because the women are, as I said, naturally more spiritually inclined or connected to the earth mm-hmm. so it's the men that need raising of their consciousness to get to where the women are mm. and i think that's really beautiful yeah and the sweat lodge in particular is supposed to accommodate or be like the womb oh so you're going okay. into this very harsh environment and when you come out of there after you've done your, your praying, you praying you're reborn and you get to come out and see the light of day again mm-hmm. and like you come out a new person
1: yeah that's uh i didn't know that about the the women thing
2: yeah Nowadays, women do go on sweat lodge, mm. not on their moon, but yeah, there is yeah. change in the traditions.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, well, I don't know. I guess life's just a lot different than it used to be realistically. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah. The sweat lodge is definitely, it's good. Um, I don't know. What what else have you, like, have you got any more stories about other stuff that you've done or, I mean... I know, yeah. You did the ayahuasca, and that was in Peru,
2: Peru and Costa Rica. Oh, okay, a, yeah, different times.
1: Okay, um,
2: <laughs> we could we could talk about Will's retreat, the nude retreat. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to get him on here too.
1: There's, he said. there's um, when did I meet him? I, I met him at. We did a retreat in Pemberton and, um, this was the first time I'd met Will and it was when there was Will who's like, bi, he's bisexual. I don't
2: think think he likes labels.
1: Okay. (laughs) 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 He's like, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't even know. But basically there was a super, there was the older guy there who was, um, he was from Alberta, quite <laughs> homophobic and like not really in, <laughs> yeah, not into any of that stuff. And it was funny to have them both there in the same setting. Uh, I mean, it kind of broke him free to have to deal with that. But it's funny now because uh, he was his son was saying that he listens to Will's music and everything now, yeah. which is which is hilarious. But yeah. um, So Will did a retreat at the same place and. What, what was it? The retreat?
2: It started um, as
1: like nude yoga or something.
2: Yeah. He's, Will is a singer and Kundalini teacher. Um, he's a very active in the sexual community and really talking about many things we talked about, like not urine theory in particular, <laughs> but <laughs> he's the one, the one who he's t- been telling me about the butt plug that you're supposed to <laughs> use when doing yoga. I, I haven't tried that one yet, but. Yeah, he did a nude kundalini yoga retreat, but he fused like Buddhist meditation Mm -hmm. in there and all different types of practices. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, nude was the big thing and he teaches nude yoga and I think it's the only place in Vancouver and he's making quite big waves with that and it's become like his main thing. Yeah. And now he's he's getting more into sexual kung fu. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Taoist energy practices. Same of the things we're talking about with raising that sexual energy. Mm Yeah. Pardon, I'm curious what your listeners are if they've heard of any of these things or this is like completely new.
1: I know that's what's tough. I feel like a lot <laughs> of it is definitely going
2: to be new and like
1: I don't know. I think it's enough that it's intriguing that like if they want to go research Taoist or Tantra or any of this stuff, like they right. can kind of look it up. I don't know how much t- time to spend like really explaining down to the detail of a lot of it. Um, I think I think for I I, I think that most of it's intriguing enough that like if they want to. Research yeah.
2: that they will, um, yeah, so so will's a treat, um, that opened me up to a homophobia that I didn't know I had, mm-hmm. so I was you know quite open with I'm straight, and I don't mind being around men, yeah, and I don't mind being naked around men. I've been on sports teams, and mm-hmm. that's all really cool. The scenario of that was there was one other older guy who was straight with his partner, mm-hmm. and then the rest were um either bi men or gay men, okay, and then me, oh, so there was a girl there there was a girl okay, so, yeah, um, and it started opening up things in me, like to be naked around a bunch of men who were looking at me. Mm-hmm. I very much felt, and I've felt this before, where I've really kind of related with women, like it feels really weird to be looked at in that way. Mm-hmm or to be hit on yeah and yeah. to have to have those boundaries it's a weird phenomenon yeah and it triggered me in all kinds of ways and like there was one point where we were doing an exercise where we were doing laughter yoga okay and will wanted us all to be laying down and have the, like the back of our heads on the other person's belly so you got like a little buddy over there <laughs> he's our giggling is bouncing around <laughs> and i'm like i didn't know what we would all be doing there mm-hmm, i was yeah. just like yeah i'll do this yeah i didn't yeah. expect any of this yeah, and yeah i didn't expect that to trigger me that much but like he even said he like smelt it he's like i smelt like your endocrine system like go off like a hormonal stress response yeah yeah and yeah. i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it really pushed me there yeah, yeah. yeah and like we had we had to set some boundaries but it ended up being like for me like really forcing me to set those boundaries was something that really allowed me to step more into one my masculine. Mm-hmm. like coming out of the retreat, I was like, "Women, where's women?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like that equal opposite reaction of what's going on there. but it just it was able to open up layers in me and that I could have never foreseen. Mm-hmm. And just for one, being naked for four days, yeah you've been naked for three days um, but like four days of but that was like casual. Like being like eating around the dinner table naked. Yeah. It's, and you just forget about it over time. Yeah.
1: It's not like you just went downstairs, took your clothes off for yoga and then put them back on again. Yeah. And it was like fully naked the whole time.
2: And it's, yeah, it just becomes so casual mm-hmm. after that time. But yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. And it's one of those things like, unless you're in that scenario, mm-hmm. it's hard to explain just like what the shift was and how that opens up things. But it's like, I never knew that that was in there i was like yeah i'm completely fine and then all of a sudden it's like well (laughs) little little thoughts come up in your head you're like okay that's a little bit more like aggressive and that was able to settle and we had some really deep talks about that so yeah
1: well i mean the nice thing there is everyone's at least like open enough to talk about it and you can like kind of speak up and be like hey like (laughs) i don't think i'm okay with this it's not like yeah and you can kind of figure it out um and like for me thinking about that like I mean, I don't spend a lot of time naked. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever spent three days fully naked. Um, but I think, uh, like, when I think about going and doing, so like, like I've seen because he posts about his that stuff all the time, right? And every time I see it, I'm like, man, like, the day that I go do like naked men's yoga or something, like, I just feel like I'd leave that place feeling like I could do anything in the world. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like going in there being fully naked with guys like i don't know why that's it just seems like scary to, to me something to do that like yeah i don't know But i feel like coming out of there i don't know what the shift would be but i can feel that there would be something and i'd be curious to like try it at some point
2: it's definitely like yeah it builds something in you. Yeah. yeah and your mind goes all sorts of places mm-hmm. um
0: yeah.
1: like i think it'd even be worse well not worse it'd be obviously just a different experience with guys like as a, like it almost would scare me more to go do it with guys than it would with women yeah for some reason i just
2: what do you think that reason is? i don't
1: know just because like i've never really been fully naked i mean i've never been fully naked with a bunch of girls either yeah. in that scenario but um i think it's because what you said actually maybe like because if the other guys are bi or whatever they could be, it's like you being looked at in that way. Where, like, if you were doing it with girls, it would essentially be you looking at them. Well, I don't know, them too. But 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 I guess, yeah, I guess it just depends. Because if, like, you're all straight and you're just looking at each other, cool. But if you're not, I don't know, I just feel like I would feel uncomfortable for sure. Right. Being looked at when I'm like, okay, what the hell is going on here?
2: Right. Yeah. And Will's one where, as I said, he, he doesn't really like labels, but he, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he talks a lot about how we're not gay or straight. Yeah, yeah. How we're all everything. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when you're on that retreat and many thoughts in my mind that maybe perhaps even scared me, it was like, maybe you'll go to this retreat and you'll turn out to be gay. <laughs> and you'll yeah. come back and you'll just completely, that's like your thing. And that's like, there was a part of me that that scared me. Mm-hmm. And then that was a piece for me. It was like, well, would you still love yourself if you were? Mm-hmm. And then I, when I accepted that, I was like, okay, let's be super honest here. It's like, take a look around you. It's like, you're feeling it? Yeah. <laughs> then, that was like that confirmation for me. Then I was just like, yeah, I could go either way but it just doesn't appeal to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, I could eat sushi. Yeah. Don't feel like it today. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day, (laughs) but it's just, it just doesn't register for me and it never has. But then there was like, it was like that thing, that piece that had to be like confirmed in me. And that was part of the reason why I said it was like very much like, okay, you're into women. Mm -hmm. And there was that maybe two, because I came off of like two years of pretty well, not being with anyone Mm -hmm. where I was like in this undetermined state. And for part of it, I actually considered, and for much of my life, it's been a temptation to go off and live in like a monastery or mm-hmm. and like just do spiritual practices, yeah for the rest of my life. So there's like that indetermination of like you'll never make love again, and that's just like your thing, or like you go this way, that way, and my body and mind is just like it's open because I'm still considering all options. Mm-hmm. And then now over time, it's been like, okay, I'm not going to do the whole forest Monk thing. I'm not going to do the whole gay thing. Let's do this thing right now. And yeah.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I even felt like on some of the times when I, like, hadn't had sex or anything for months on it, yeah. I was like, I would think to myself sometimes, like, fuck, maybe I'm, like, gay or something. Right, right. I'm like, but I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, I feel like I would know. Like, I was like, yeah. i I. I don't ever feel like that's something I want to do. So I don't think that I am. And like, you know, at least now, I don't know, maybe one day I'm gay. I have no clue, but like, yeah. um, I'm like, I just don't think so. I'm like, I don't feel it. I don't, I don't know. So.
2: And is that thought ever attached to an emotion?
1: Oh, I don't even know. Um, It's been a while since I've thought that. I mean, I've joked about it a lot, but I think I can't remember what I was like feeling when I thought it last.
2: Yeah, because I think in general, in a society, just because we're so much enculturated in a way that, you know, the most dominant view is that most men are straight. Mm -hmm. I wonder if, like me, uh, many other men have secretly like a little bit of a fear that they might be. Oh, yeah. And that in and around surrounding that is like, it's just a fear. Mm -hmm. And, And until they actually explore it, they don't know. Yeah, I'm, I don't know what ex- explore. It, it <laughs> might just mean going on a nude retreat Yeah, and having yeah. that really confirmed. Mm-hmm. But like for some people, I'm sure it's just like an indeterminate. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's quite normal to look at a man and be like, okay, that's a nice looking man. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean anything sexual. No. Like, there's so many women that I feel like they're gorgeous, but I'm just not even sexually attracted mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're a beautiful woman, just not going on for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's, I mean, for me,
1: there's definitely fear there, like 100%. I mean... That would be, like, my biggest thing of going to a nude retreat would be fear. Um, I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's directly uh, that I would be gay. I mean, there's a lot of different fears that would come up for that. But, yeah, Yeah. so.
2: See, like, this whole region of, like, peeing, sexuality, just being naked and, make penis size, Mm -hmm. any of that stuff. Yeah. Like, there's so much in this this region. Yeah. Like, talking about it and, like, speaking about it that just isn't talked about in society now it's coming up in your pocket yeah <laughs>
1: well like even at the first men's retreat i went to when because everyone or what's we do the cold plunge in the river and everybody well not yeah. everybody goes in naked but like a lot of the people do mm-hmm. but i mean the first time i even did that i was like okay fuck like i was definitely scared to do it um but i did each time and then after on the last men's retreat when A lot of the guys didn't. I almost thought that was weirder, sort of, that they didn't do it. But that was me the first time where I was like, man, this is like, so I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things that obviously kind of like you're just not used to doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we grew up, I think, fairly on the same level of conservative Mm -hmm. or grew up in the same high school. But like, as I get more and more into like the yogi world and all these people doing these things, it's like the far out is so far out yeah. that it makes like everything we talked about here so cordial. Mm-hmm. So like the more I expose myself to that, and then the more I expose myself to the more conservative, it's like that balance of like, where do I stand? Because <laughs> yeah. at first, like for many... Years of my life, I thought I was pretty freaky, and then I met Freaky. People. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "I'm so normal. Come <laughs> on, <laughs> all I do is drink my pee. Like I'm freaking normal." Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> like, many crazy <laughs> shit going yeah. on. Yeah, think like my house is organized. I have a good life. I have a business, and like I'm cordial. Yeah, that's true. There's there's the far left mm-hmm. where it goes. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that's true. I never really think about how much like how extreme some people go with certain things. Right. Yeah, it was definitely a whole other way of life.
2: I think duality is one of the greatest teachings. It's like we can only become aware of something when we see its opposite. That's how we know hard is soft and black is white. Mm -hmm. And at all times, we're finding our dynamic equilibrium. So at any given time, if we can place ourselves within two extremes and find the middle, that's our place of balance. And when we know like the freakiest and the most conservative, and we can orientate ourselves, where do we situate ourselves? Mm-hmm. We find out more about this one ourselves, mm-hmm. and that self-knowledge is there. It's like, am I more in a being state or doing state, introverted or extroverted? And when we decide or determine where we are, it's like we usually feel good in one place or the other, mm-hmm. And then when we can finally stay in alignment with that, then we know a lot about ourselves. Mm-hmm. so it's good to see these polarities and be exposed to them to kind of like (laughs) yeah find our (laughs) life yeah you have to be able to see both sides right yeah that's something I've been
1: noticing a lot lately as well um just doing like even in that spiritual little course thing that I'm doing I don't really know well I forget what it's called but with the awareness it's a lot about like even just a lot of the stuff is to do with centering So Mm -hmm. so A lot of the exercises are actually not centering so you become aware of not being centered you know what i mean it's good because she can sit there and tell you how to like you know center but if you don't even know what not centering is and how do you know how to center so just kind of finding like both of those and then finding your spot like you said Mm -hmm. Um, so i found that interesting and i mean it's pretty applicable to like every area of your life realistically right so yeah
2: the nature of life, yeah, so it throws you off center, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you gotta find your way back, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so I guess, uh, well, now what do you want to talk about, kind of like what you're doing now with kind of like business retreats and kind of like what you think is coming in the near future for that stuff? Um, if yeah. people are interested in doing because I know a lot of people have reached out and are interested about the breath work and stuff and you are kind of like the go to guy that I'll be sending the people to. So
2: So as far as conscious connected breath work, I do that one on one in a clinical practice. So I Mm -hmm. plan to continue doing that and expanding what I do in that clinical setting to include more of the coaching and meditation qigong and yoga practices there. Mm -hmm. I'll do that one on one in and out. And then I lead about 10 workshops a month, Mm -hmm. give or take, in four different cities. And with those, I continue to expand the practices and the offerings. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting more into tantric intimacy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm teaching a wide range of different breath techniques now. Conscious Connected is the main mm-hmm. one, but I've explored hundreds of breath techniques and I'm introducing those more into the workshops. Mm-hmm. And that's a way of really teaching people to use the breath and the body and many ancient systems and the modern science behind them and how to utilize that for whatever their goals are. So I'm developing coaching pieces like three month coaching programs, which are going to be available on and offline mm-hmm. to best learn these practices, to create that take home practice. Mm-hmm um this year i'm going to be doing four to six retreats okay which are going to be just the deep explorations and doing probably like three four hours of the practices a day Mm. as we kind of talked about and really diving into them and then um i may actually be doing some online work some online classes
1: okay uh so what will those be for
2: movement practices mostly but i may be doing some breath work online too
1: okay so you'll do like kind of like instructional video or something and then you get access to the course and get to kind of work your way through it
2: yeah i'm gonna be two different ones one will be like a one that you could purchase and there would be like a course that you do mm-hmm. and one is through an online system where it's like a, a registered class, like you register for a yoga class online it's at a certain time and i'm there teaching oh so it'd be like and a live true. like a
1: zoom or something yeah, yeah oh, and then cool. i'm
2: seeing everybody as they're practicing yeah so it's like yoga studio from your own home mm-hmm. and that's really cool for w- people who want to dive in some of these practices in a much more private setting because mm-hmm. they may be doing some weird things or yeah. some really straight things but like <laughs> that, that privacy and being able to integrate in your own home some people prefer that mm-hmm. and it's accessible um and then i plan on going more international in the next few years okay uh and just really bringing the breath different parts of the world like moving somewhere or just traveling
1: throughout and like would you still be based home?
2: Most likely, I haven't exactly, because <laughs> I like to let the wind <laughs> yeah, blow yeah. me flow in it. Um I would like to be mostly based in Squamish okay, okay. and then start branching out with traveling and retreats mm-hmm. till I find a home where I may want to build a retreat center. And that may be here mm-hmm. or that may be somewhere else. And that would be like a full-on retreat center yeah, yeah. or healing center, which combines everything that I'm doing now in a more centralized area. Mm-hmm. Um. And, yeah, in that process, I'm going to continue to dive into all my practices really deep so I can teach them at a really high level. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I've had some interesting, like, so many things are opening up for collaborations and people I work with. Yeah. Yeah. So I plan on doing some collaborations with coaches and possibly Ed Blunderfield, oh, okay. who okay. we worked together well, with. Yeah,
1: you guys have been doing some little workshops that I've seen.
2: Yeah, so... What we would be doing together in the future, continuing workshops, but him and other coaches would be like, they have a three month coaching program mm-hmm. and they help you and develop you through that. And then they add the breath work into it okay. as part of the transformation. That would be cool. So the collaboration of that. Yeah. yeah. Cause like I do coaching, but I prefer just the practices. Okay. That's what I like to do in my life.
1: So you would rather just do practices than coaching. Yeah. Like, a,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to move,
1: <laughs> move and breathe. Well, it's good so. that you know that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, those some of those coaching programs would be cool. Like, I definitely would have done something like that. Well, I don't know. I did the breathwork at a different time, and now I'm doing the coaching at a different time. But thinking back, it would have been really cool to be able to integrate that at right. the same time.
2: Yeah, because what we get out of the breathwork is a lot to do with where we're at in life mm-hmm. and how we're moving. And the more stuff we're moving through, it helps to find clarity in that process. Mm-hmm. So when you combine the two, it's just like right in there for transformation.
1: Yeah. That'll be really like interesting. I'm curious to see how that'll go. I think it'll be really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, is there, is there anything else that you want to, talk about or share
2: or feels fairly complete you do yeah we've talked about a lot of (laughs) the (laughs) the practices There's lots of our stories but that piece feels quite complete and we talked a little bit about where this is all going Mm -hmm. um yeah the biggest piece is that through all these practices for me it's Become a way of finding what is truly inside and authentic. And the breath and movement has just been the most powerful thing. Mm-hmm. So, it's so it's been part of my mission in life to really connect people just back into their bodies and their breath. And there's just hundreds of ways to do that. And whatever is authentic and natural for them to do is an encouragement to continue to explore that. And they'll find their own expression within that duality. Mm-hmm. And within something that is truly theirs. And when people really do the work to come into themselves deeply, they find their most authentic expression. And that's the most easeful way to be in life is when that flows effortlessly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's an encouragement with anyone hearing this to connect with your breath and body in any way. Because there's a great wisdom there.
1: Yeah. No, that's... uh, Yeah, I think... I think with all this stuff, you're going to be able to help like a lot of people and inspire Mm -hmm. a lot of people to, um, you know, maybe make that shift to a different way of life. Maybe or Mm things that they, uh, you know, people just don't know about any of this stuff, um, which I think is awesome that you can get it out there and, and uh, get people practicing and experiencing these things.
2: Right. Yeah because everything's beautiful and perfect the way it is, and there's nowhere to get anywhere other than here. It's just about coming here and fully being present with it, and the breath is one of the best ways to get into the here and now. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's perfect. Mm. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I guess, yeah, that's it then. Well, um, yeah, thanks for coming out and making the time. I know it's a bit of a drive coming down from Squamish and all that, but I think... Yeah. It's a really good conversation and people are definitely going to be mm. intrigued by a lot of the <laughs> things we talked about. Um, and yeah, I'll link your information in the show notes so people can go to your site and get, and we can put your email or whatever else you want in there for people to be able to contact you. I mean, if you're open to that, yeah, perfect. Um, then yeah, we'll put that all in there and that's it.
2: Beautiful. It's been an honor. I love to see that we've come so far since our high school days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen you show up with many men's retreats and do your work, and you're in a really good place in life. It's really good to see. Thank you. So I really honor that process. You as well. <laughs> uh, you shake hands? Awesome. <laughs> uh,
0: perfect.